0: Welcome to the 11th episode of Moshi Moshi, Web3 Journey from the Chad Fiery Dev. Please welcome Fiery Dev and our host Danny.
1: Yo yo, can you hear me? Hey, what's up? I can. Awesome. Am I uh, am I solo hosting this? Is anyone hopping in with me? I don't know if they can even talk to me, they're in the audience, so we'll we'll make it work. <laughs> Great! I'm I'm happy to be here, and
0: uh, even if they leave us alone, I promise we won't cause any mayhem.
1: No, oh, don't look at me, man. I'm just the guy they asked to do this here and there. I have, uh, <laughs> I have no authority on anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Should I, I, I? What time is please. it? I'm sorry, you broke up a little. What would you say? Yeah, I'm saying. Uh, yeah
0: we are two minutes beyond what we were supposed to start at
1: all right well then i will uh i'll kick us off uh hey everybody danny lux here with moshi moshi episode 11 from the pod town metaverse i have am i saying this right fiery dev Fury dev yeah Fury Dev would go better i guess (laughs) i I always looked at it you know i've seen your name pop up for you know a year plus plus in the phantom space and otherwise and i always thought it was fiery but now that i'm looking at it closer uh now i think i i've been mistaken (laughs) well you're not the only one that's a very very common mistake i have seen and uh, not one i thought i would see to be honest (laughs) yeah yeah well awesome well Happy to be here with you. Um, you know, I know this is your first time on, so typically this is pretty free flowing. We like to just have conversations around the space, uh, learn a little bit about uh, what you do, what brought you here, what excites you, uh, and we'll uh, maybe cover down on some of the topics. Uh, interestingly enough, I just saw your name uh, the other day uh, popped up as a possible takeover with, uh, is it Revenon or uh, uh, Creditum? Is it, So that's something you're considering um, overtaking as you were? Uh, well,
0: overtaking is a
1: strong word, but <laughs> more of, uh, yes, managing the da. Okay. Okay. So I was... Um, you know, I'm happy to hear that. I was a little frustrated with that one. I'm not gonna lie. I've had a, a little bit of a bitter taste. I, I did have a loan there about a like a month or, uh, maybe a month, two months ago when they started saying, "Hey, we don't know what's gonna happen with the future of this." Um, you know, I, I closed out that position, uh, but I still have some of their um, what's it called, uh, Rev token, and which I, you know, their their original plan was, "Hey, you can." cash some in for uh, the creditum. If you wait, you get another token. If you wait even more, then you get a, a third token. So I I did most of it at the beginning. I, I actually found it in two wallets. I don't even know where it came from. But um, uh, I was like, okay, what's, what's going on here? I was a patient. I waited. What's happening? So is this something that um, maybe because of your you know, understanding of the space or, you know, position within the space that people come to you and said, Hey, we're, we're, we're not, this isn't working for us. We're, we're not, uh, able to continue on with this project. You know, is this something you were, you'd be interested in taking over? Is this something that, you know, you see distress? I don't know if distress is the right word, but maybe, you know, uh, projects that are not sure about their future and you reach out to them. I mean, how does that typically work? So uh, this had a lot, a lot of things affecting it. And uh,
0: this did not just happen. Like uh, you can't just say that the team approached me because the number of factors affecting this were more numerous than I can recall in a single go. Having said that, I have been known to take, uh, take over dead projects or, you know, try to revitalize stuff, which I feel still has a lot more room to go where it is not being used or has been left uh, because the dev team couldn't get funding or the team just left and, you know, left things as it is. So the first token on the phantom chain, Fbomb, that's the one I took over and, you know, that's the one I started managing with. Now, in mm-hmm. the present scenario, what happened is, uh, as I and my community, the Millennium Club DAO, we have been active in the space for quite a while. Uh, especially in phantom, we have been here since day one. So, we, uh, I remember the first uh, active uh, participation on the chain was when we got the ice airdrops for uh, using Sushi mm-hmm. on Phantom. <laughs> so, we, we have been active since a long time. And because of that, uh, we have a lot of faith and confidence in Phantom and the ecosystem, which further led to us investing in all of the major protocols which uh, the chain started with. So because of this, uh, we also are holding our fair share of Revenant tokens, RVNT. So uh, me and Millennium Club together are the largest Revenant token holders. Uh, because of this, uh, we also uh, stayed involved in Creditum. As it progressed, we did not swap our tokens for credit back when we had the option to at the ratio of one is to 10. So we instead actually bought more credit at very high prices, like $5 a piece. We, uh, as a DAO invested
1: $500,000. I remember (laughs) this, yeah, wow. Yeah, and I remember the the F-bomb stuff too. I mean, that was one of the first things I bought on Phantom. You know, I came over here, uh, you know, the market had dipped, uh, you know, post COVID and like, I want to say like April, May, um everything was just so cheap. I said, All right, this is my moment. You know, Phantom looks like it's good tech. I'm just gonna start buying up things in, in that ecosystem. Um and F bomb was one of those first things that that I had ever uh that and Shiba Phantom were like the two first things I bought, uh one Phantom.
0: That's amazing, man. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so uh with with credit because we were such large holders. Whenever the team wanted to take a major decision, they kind of had me in a chat and, you know, they ran it by us before making any major calls or before making a governance vote. Mm-hmm. So uh, when these things were being discussed, uh, the whole time the team of Revenant was, I think it was changing internally. They were having issues and that's why they couldn't really deliver much. By the time they were thinking they would want to deliver Singularity as the first project, uh, there were some legal issues in the US with the SEC and investigations where the Coinbase employees were charged with insider trading, where Mm -hmm. they treated the crypto, uh, seven or eight crypto's out of 10 as securities. So this kind of had them scared as the previous or existing team of Revenant Labs is entirely US-based. So they... Initially thought they could work without a token and just take a share of revenue and then they could declare it legally. But uh, as things progressed, they got scared further. And as I was one of the main advisors, we either had the decision uh, to basically distribute the treasury, uh, more than half of which actually the Millennium Club paid. But that, that's a separate thing. But distribute right. that treasury to all the holders, which netted a payout of five cents per credit. Or the other option was some other team would take over and, you know, deliver the project. Maybe Singularity as a product can make sufficient runway to make it a successful project. Mm -hmm. Uh, The previous team were also interested in running it for approximately $50,000 a month of remuneration for the entire team. Which everyone felt was on the higher end. But back then, we didn't have the option because they were the ones who had uh, essentially coded the tech. So they were... Then giving us the two options to either take the payout and uh, foreclaim the product or let them run the product for uh, $50,000 a month guaranteed or for 40% of the profits. There was a governance vote for this. So because that was passed and the team had the responsibility to continue, but uh, the legal issues further worsened and then they kind of felt that they can't do this. Now they wanted a handover. And uh, I felt this is the easiest way to do it, as I have experience in running such organizations in a decentralized manner. This would be a first where it involves a token. Having said that, they wanted to leave the token holders and their interest out completely. Whereas my focus would be entirely the opposite and entirely based on the token. So, uh, I would recommend to hold on to the Revenant tokens. We'll probably do a swap since we don't want multiple tokens, but a single token at the end. So we'll get Revenant tokens and extra bonus. This was talked in the uh, Creditor Discord as well, that uh, g- folks will get a 20s to 1 ratio of uh, conversion for existing Revenant. Mm. I'm sorry, this this whole conversation kind of turned into a Revenant no it's it's, just i just
1: saw it the other day i mean i'd seen your name come up obviously you know you have nodes you've been involved in in dows and other projects you know pausing on uh to like double click into that uh sec thing you know this is something I i think about a lot from like a u.s regulatory uh, position, because I'm, you know, I'm in the US, obviously, there's a lot of transactions that I do that are, you know, it's, and I think about it, like from a tax standpoint, and like, I, I sometimes question, you know, well, there's two categories, right? So there's one, what is above board and legal, but then there's also the thing that I think about is, okay, what is their ability to investigate and i'm not saying that anybody would want to do something you know uncouth just because it can't be investigated but like you know when you look at the crypto space and, and a broader like let's let's look outside of phantom and look across ethereum and all these other you know l1s and l2s i mean how can an organization like the irs or the sec how can they how do they prior one how do they prioritize what they look at where they're investigating i mean they don't have the resources to look at every little dex and exchange and lending platform you know do they even have the like is phantom on their radar I, I, it's just something i think about sometimes you don't have to give me an answer to that i'm just you know it just seems like they're probably a couple years away from really and maybe there's some technology too that can assist them in, in whatever they're looking to ultimately accomplish. But it just seems like they're passing these regulations or discussing these regulations without any ability to investigate and enforce them, uh, on a on a broad scale. And I, you know, crypto's an international. Uh, asset class, I guess. You know, you have people in every country. You have the ability to, you know, use proxies and VPNs. Like, ha- how are countries going to get their arms around this, or will they, you know, get their arms around this? Do Do you think about this like I do? <laughs> because I think about it all the time.
0: No, I, I get it. Uh, I I think currently, of course, they don't have the resources to. Uh, catch or track everyone and everything so it has to be selective and now the question comes how or what is the mechanism for that selection now since we don't know and it's all to each man's guess uh, personally i would say it's like a reverse lottery you have a random chance of getting screwed it could be anyone Uh, also uh, apart from crypto what you do in your life and what you declare to the uh, government in that aspect is something which will also impact this for example, if they are uh, curious about something else, this may just get clubbed around. You know, this may not be the reason why you were called, so to speak, but it may turn out to be the highlight of why you were called at the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, that's interesting. I was talking to an accountant neighbor of mine recently, and he said, you know, you and your wife, like, I, I, I'm a working stiff, right? My wife and I, we work, you know, I work in tech, she works in tech, you know, I'm more on sales, she's in product. But um, you know we're W two employees. Like you know we don't have a lot of uh, percentage of income from self employment. And he's like, they're not looking at you. They're looking at people that have self employment businesses. That's what they're getting into. You're paying a lot of taxes. That's, <laughs> That's true. That's quite true, actually. Uh, yeah. Fun
0: fact. Uh, now, I mean, I don't work anymore in that field, but. As a profession, I'm a tax consultant. I'm a tax lawyer. Oh, I really? Bachelor in tax law.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't see that um, somewhere <laughs> that you you have a law degree. So you don't practice law at all? No, not at all. Like i just this is like maybe one or two cases a
0: year, just to help out whenever it's something interesting, but not not anymore. Like that's 2019, the end of 2019 was the end of my professional practice so to speak I went crypto full-time beginning of 2020 more fun right yeah way more fun so (laughs) uh, I I continued crypto as a hobby for a very long time and uh, till the point when it could grow enough where I could be like okay I I don't need to do this anymore I can just do crypto full-time now was when I switched over
1: you know, I, I last year, you know, during the phantom pumps, I think there's a lot of people, <laughs> myself included that thought, Hey, you know, I, I'm doing great at this. I can throw darts at the board and, you know, uh, and, and make a lot of money. What do I need my job for? Um, ultimately though, you know, I'm not a lawyer, right? I'm not, uh, lawyers tend to have a much higher degree of commitment of, uh, hours and, you know. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but they tend to not not in India, not in <laughs> India, really easy <lazy> <laughs> are you? not in the u s. My man, my cousin was an m and a attorney in Manhattan, and he must have worked ninety hours a week. I mean, he was, i mean, they they so, gave him car, car rides home from work and, you know, brought in dinner, so and he my, made a lot of money
0: my but... work wasn't that core law. It wasn't. Uh... Otherwise, it may have been a bit more hectic, so to speak, but it was more of a tax oriented. And uh, I had my own practice. So, you know, I could just do my own thing with my own R. So it it was comfy. It it gave me time to focus on crypto and work on the side or, you know, crypto on the side,
1: whichever you want to call it. So you were in Phantom from the beginning. I'm assuming you're talking about the beginning of Opera, like the beginning of smart contracts, or from from before that on the Ethereum side. I mean, where where did um, where did this journey with? Well, let's even go further back. Where did crypto start for you? And then follow up. You know how how and why Phantom? Okay, so um, that that that's like a half hour journey. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, what's this the highlight? Good, like, like yeah. what, what year were you when you're like, what's this cryptocurrency all about?
0: So, yeah, uh, the first time I actually went that question or went that way was uh, March of 2013. when oh, That's uh, early. Crashed. Yeah. <laughs> so the Cyprus government had crashed in a way that uh, they had asked all the citizens that we are going to forfeit X amount of money in your bank. And, you know, we'll return it when we have a kind of a situation. So there was mass panic and people wanted safety for funds and they started buying Bitcoin. So Bitcoin went uh, to 200 something dollars for the first time. And that's when I saw or read about it and, you know, it got me curious. And uh, I always had a hobby for machines and hardware and building my own PCs. So uh, okay. that's when I, you know, put up, bought my first GPU and set it up for mining, made Bitcoin for a month. Then, you know, uh, Bitmain was starting to release their hardware. The first S ones were being delivered, and difficulty started to increase drastically. So I moved to Litecoin, and the end of 2013, December was uh, me mining Dogecoin. Uh, when it launched, I was the first day miners. It was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> hope you. So, uh, hope you sounds sounds like you've been. You know, early and successful in the space, it's it's amazing to hear, you know, my first exposure to Bitcoin was via uh, Silk Road Um, and it really meant nothing to me other than this was the currency I had to get to order things on Silk Road. And, you know, when Bitcoin started rising in price years later, I spent many, many hours of my life trying to figure out, you know, because I did it through these email thing. I, I hardly remember, to be honest with you, but um, I've spent many you hours probably... looking for pieces, you know. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I was saying you probably use PGB emails for that. I think it was. I I just remember I did something they basically created an email address and it was I think it was something like 10,000 Bitcoin per dollar at that time. It was just whatever it was, it was just the exchange rate. So I just bought whatever I needed to transact and we only did it, you know, a handful of times, maybe, you know, 3 4 times tops. Um but I remember my my friend. I remember like it was yesterday. My friend telling me about this, you know, black market uh, website, you know, Silk Road, and um, th- that was kind of the end of it. And then 2017, I had I was training for a new role. Uh, I had to spend three months in another state. You know, I came home on the weekends, but I was living in another state, living in a hotel. And uh, one of the guys that was in my training class. Uh, was very much into uh, Ethereum, so uh, so I had bought some Ethereum uh, in that 2017 space, and um, and then really after that, I you know I had some meme coins. In um, you know a couple years after that, I had done some of the dog coins and meme coins, and um, it really was until 2020 uh i guess post or i guess 2021 was it uh post covid you know the market had crashed covid everything was dirt cheap and i was like all right this is going to be my warren buffett moment i'm gonna be you know i'm gonna be uh gr- greedy when other people are fearful and fearful when other people are greedy so everyone was running from the market prices were low i i looked at the charts i said okay it's always come back so let's do it. So I took a loan against my Ethereum. You know, I sold my um, equity. I had stock grants from the tech company I work for. I sold my stock, ended up like selling the tippy top of the stock market and putting it into crypto at the bottom. And it was like a, an amazing move. Um, but I also have learned, you know, a lot of lessons in the last year of not um, from a retail side, you know, I'm not on the development side. You know, from the retail side, learning, you know, not to get married to my positions and to look at things objectively and to be conservative with my, you know, my risk allocation, and taking, uh, taking profit and redeploying profit. So, so you know, I I had a successful, you know, venture, but I think you know, in hindsight's 2020, like, you know, I'm always trying to learn and do better. And, and it's fun. I mean, you know, you, you said it yourself, it's so much fun being in these communities and NFTs and, you know, these fun DeFi protocols. It's, uh, you know, it's not for everyone. And I think it confuses a lot of people. It certainly confuses me at times, but so much fun, like to, to learn about it. And, you know, the, uh, the innovation within the space. I, I I don't see any way it's, you know, even with government intervention, I don't see any way that box is ever closing. That's true. I completely agree. I should have the space, it's addictive, yeah. So you, you've had this successful career. Talk to me about the the nodes, right? So you were mining. Now you're uh, doing node validation. So you're yeah, so a random nodes. In the middle, I made a shit ton of mistakes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, they were like a ton of mistakes. So like Dodge mining in 2013 was the peak. Then it was me mining a lot of uh, CPU-based coins and other coins, which did not do well and uh, this was me working on the site so i couldn't give much time in research and i didn't catch on the ethereum wave at all i fast forward to 2017 i uh, did do good by the end of 2017 but again i had zero knowledge or in-depth study of the field and by the end of 2018 it started to go down again and seeing the success of 2017 I had actually uh, invested a little bit more money and I kind of lost it all by the middle and end of 2019. And uh, the money I had actually invested, I uh, my net portfolio from previously and that including was less than what I had invested in the second batch. So basically, I had lost everything since I had been doing since 2013. Uh, this was 2019. Uh, My first exposure to Phantom was in 2018, actually, 27th May 2018, by perchance remember the date, I invested in a secondary sold seat of the Phantom ICO. So back then, what uh, the ICOs were the real craze, and uh, people used to sell a larger allocation and split into smaller seats with a higher fee. So that was the first time I actually invested like two Ethereum in Phantom, and uh, back when it launched as a token on uh, Ethereum, then I kind of traded a bit. And, you know, I, I was very shitty at trading. I lost so much money at trading. It's not even funny if I had not traded a very different place. But uh, the beginning of 2020 was when things changed because uh, 2019 and marked the change of a law. Uh, the place or the work I do as a taxation consultant I used to uh, litigate at a certain uh, uh, administrative level, so to speak. So that whole process got demolished. So uh, beginning of 2020, I I didn't feel like doing that anymore. And that's why I went crypto full time. The benefit of that was that at that point, whatever money I had saved from my uh, day job till then, I invested all of it at pretty much the bottom. And that's when I actually completed my phantom stack to build a node. And that's how I started studying about nodes. And 2020 was me learning how to run nodes along with uh, quite a large community in Millennium Club. So uh, April 2020 was uh, Denali Testnet. This is the Avalanche incentivized testnet before they launched. So my friend uh, convinced me to join that and we uh, rented some VPS servers. And it was one month long. We paid like uh, 15 or $20 in the server fee. And I I had no clue what was happening. Like I was just copy pasting what my friend told me back then. And uh, by the end of it, we were done and we got paid 2000 AVAX for that. Wow. So we, we got a node and we then ran the node for one more year and, you know, then it got unlocked. But we just kept running. Yeah. So that was the first node I ran. And then 2020 was probably me experimenting with so many networks and trying to see what works, what doesn't. Uh, I, I failed so much that year, but luckily the things I succeeded in were enough to uh, take me forward.
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's an amazing story. And, you know, it sounds like you have a nice uh, group that, you know, is is supporting your, your research and supporting your, you know, um, I feel a lot of people, and myself included in this, like I just... You know, I there was nobody, there was very few people that I was close to that were, um, you know, showing me the way. It was more, you know, trial and error, you know, Googling things, YouTube videos, and just kind of feeling around in the dark. And uh, I think for a lot of people in the crypto space, from the retail perspective, there's uh, there's a. There's a high barrier to entry. I mean, I work in tech and I'm like, I'm in sales, but you know, I'm still, <laughs> I still am talking about it every day. And I'm, and I still consider myself pretty low on the, in the tech knowledge spectrum. But like, you know, my, my neighbor is a police officer, right? You know, he's a, a county police officer lives next door to me. And he, he's so interested in crypto, but he has no knowledge basis and like, you know he he comes to me someone who i think really doesn't know that much so it's like this uh this knowledge and the ability to share it with other people and pass on you know the mistakes you've made and the successes that you've had and and that that community is just so important in this space um so talk to me a little you've mentioned a few times now around your your dow uh, millennium is that correct millennium club Millennium DAO. Yes. yes, Millennium Club. Yeah, that's So, right. how, did, uh, how did this get started? Formed? Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about uh, this. Sure. So, uh, yeah, this is something. By the end of two
0: thousand seventeen, when things were going decently well, uh, I think that's when I entered the master node space. So, before validators, I, I dabbled around and went quite deep in the masternode space which failed and caused me to lose a shit ton of money <laughs> so that's that's how 2018 and 19 went for me uh when i was dabbling in this masternode space so uh back then
1: like have you have you heard of masternode have you dabbled in that or heard of it or read into it no i don't know what that i mean it sounds a little familiar but yeah talk to me a little bit about that so you know dash dash coin i do know dash
0: yes but dash dash is the first coin which is uh, which was on is a masternode coin it was previously called as dark coin and mm-hmm. you know that started and it has its own chain and uh, the chain had uh, some basic features like uh, the main primary uh chain which started was Dash, which was proof of work with a Masternode. So Masternode is like validators, but you can't delegate, you can't add or decrease stake with a fixed collateral and a fixed ROI from inflation rewards. Uh, in no way would any single chain like that get enough transactions to make the fee sustainable. So it's like constant rewards. So, you know, it, it went a little bit like the Ohm folks went. So people just started cloning Masternode coins and, uh, you know, create their own chain where you could just uh, put up the numbers, have uh, a for sale in the pre-sale at heavy prices. And then people bought just for the APY, but it kept falling with a constant downside curve. So there, it was a whole fiasco, like people went crazy over it. But what yeah. happened was when you ran a node, uh, you needed a server. But as the chain had no load, it could be a very low end server. So uh, the first coin, which is also a Masterhood coin, a fork of Dash, which started a Masterhood hosting platform was GinCoin, in which I was quite heavily invested, which later shut down and, you know, it was a total loss to zero for me. <laughs> but it was a good experience because I then was inspired to invest in other Masterhood hosting platforms. So many folks came up, many were uh, saying that they would run a master hosting platform, out of which one of the coins was Armageddon, in which I invested. A uh, couple of weeks down, it turned out to be a rug pull. The developer left. Uh, then in the community, there was this guy uh, with the username Tiger. Uh, I later on got to know a really good guy. He's like 60-year-old Canadian with some basic dev skills. So he said he wanted to take over. I applied to work as a community moderator. He formed the initial Millennium Club and ran a masternode hosting platform for a few years. Uh, But that whole space died and that whole business end died as well. And the community kind of got aimless. But internally, we were learning and, you know, just doing random things. And uh, that's how we learned
1: about sharing things you're interested in and, you know, and, you know, research. Yeah, that's great.
0: So then we uh, started dabbling in the validator space, as I said. And when that was going decently well, I was heavily invested in the phantom space. I got more friends involved back then. and uh, Then as that progressed, I thought that maybe I should now do something with the whole community we had built. Because we didn't have a coin, we didn't have a production. It was just a group of people, right? So I thought that I wanted to give it a direction point it and to make it a force to actually work towards something, a common goal, other than just sharing knowledge. And Mm -hmm. then we started investing together. Uh, The first major investment we did on chain was retrieve. We were in the seed sale and that went amazingly well. And, you know, one thing led to the other. Now we are thinking to take over a business like Revenant Labs. And it's just been a ride on its own. Also, we we just get married as well. As a community, as a DAO, we invested in a lot of projects. And, uh, you know, we we were like, I'll I'll give you the perfect example. We are one of the largest holders of T-Shares. We bought them super cheap, but we saw it go the entire way up and the entire way down. And we never sold.
1: Yeah, I I was... uh... I mean, not to get too deep into Tomb and and all that, but I mean, I was Genesis Pool day one on Tomb. I I took profit. I mean, I the whole way um, on everything. I mean, I was I had a big LP. I had uh, T shares back when the boardroom was printing or the the masonry. um, and i was at my cousin's house so my family we drove up i live in florida we drove up to savannah georgia i was showing my cousin and i pulled out my phone to show him tomb i was like hey man i've been like making a lot of money on this tomb thing and i pulled out my phone and i said wait why is it you know usually tomb was around one 1.01 you know somewhere very close to peg and i saw it was like point seven eight i went to the discord you know of course this is gatekeeper exploit night and you know at point seven eight peg you know and, and most of my position at that point was lp um i wasn't the uh impermanent loss wasn't terrible yet but it was going to get real bad if it went down more so i was one of the many people that that bailed out in uh in gatekeeper night and I never really came back. I did make a little T-share purchase, um, you know, post uh, Terra collapse, you know, cause everything was just so discounted. I thought it would be a good flyer, but you know, I didn't, I didn't get back in when Harry bought. And um, a lot of people in my, in my circle were, you know, were buying the bottom of T-share at that point. And I, you know, obviously tomb got bigger than ever post that right they got i believe over a billion dollars at some point i mean that uh i tend not to like dwell on those kind of things like if i if i made money on something if i did well i don't try to beat myself over you know how much better could i have done right because it's not a good way to look at things um, you know, in the regular finance world, you know, to make 20% in a year is fantastic, right? And we get so accustomed in crypto to like thinking, I need to make, you know, 10x that, um, I think it's, it's part of that uh whatever you want to call it addiction, dopamine hit. You know, it's part of that whole process of checking that portfolio and seeing that number on a page that keeps people greedy when these these markets reach that oversaturation point where you you know, so I I've I've really tried to discipline myself on, hey, you know what? Let's capture, you know, I'm going to capture my initial investment back plus a three X and I'm going to let the rest ride for, for a moon bag, you know, like that's kind of my philosophy now and things, but I'm not going to lie. The tomb one kind of stings still, (laughs) you know, I I know the. I feel the sting. (laughs) I I feel it. I still feel it. I, I hold and feel the sting daily. So what where, you know, your Phantom, what from a technology and let's let's make this a two-part from a technology perspective, and this is a question from OX He said, beside Phantom, which other chain is best in your opinion? But I'm gonna get I'm gonna split that into two parts. What do you what really interests you from an L1, L2 perspective uh, around technology and from an investment standpoint, where do you think and and I'll I'll preface this a little bit. I to me I see a clear narrative around the Ethereum L2s and unlocking, and this is more from a marketing perspective, unlocking, you know, all this liquidity um that's in Ethereum and making it more accessible to retail by reducing gas fees. So I, I see that narrative. Uh, I don't necessarily believe that is the best technological solution. So like what what's interesting you now outside of Phantom uh, from a technology perspective, but also from a, a narrative marketing investment standpoint? So those are two separate things. So firstly, uh, regarding chains, uh, the primary
0: purpose I have... Uh, the primary purpose I have... Uh, as a driving force for me or the Millennium Club DAO as a whole because we are validating a lot of chains is we are promoting decentralization we want to further help and promote decentralization financial freedom the whole technology uh, to as many people and make it accessible for all because right now as you said a few while a few minutes back that uh, we we in this field are already spoiled with the features, the returns, the things we can get and we do get at times, whereas in the traditional finance world, a 20% gain in annum is a lot to speak of. So we are wanting to help in bridging that gap and to help the technology grow further. Now, to help technology uh, grow further, the most relevant part we realize is it needs to be sustainable. It needs to be something which is improving something, which is solving a problem, which is furthering a cause. Unless it has something behind it, unless it's like just a random chain, it's like a dash fork, as I mentioned with the master coins, right? If you just fork it and it's not new, why would it succeed? So what we foster, Mm -hmm. what we like to uh, search for is something unique, which has not yet been done, which is solving a problem, which is offering unbeatable tech. Uh, It was our good fortune that our journey started on Phantom for that. And uh, over time, I just kept on realizing how good a chain it is because I kept on trying to run nodes for other chains. And, you know, as I dabbled as a validator, my respect and love for Phantom kept growing. So uh, my primary point here would be that I and my DAO like to follow good tech. We like to invest in things which we feel are solving problems or are tackling issues which are yet untackled or being left... Uh, by the others or being not touched by the other sort of sweet. Uh, secondary from an ins- uh, financial investment point of view, we we are horrible. We we're not financial investment investors here. We don't uh, we we don't follow narratives. We wish we did, but you know we don't. Otherwise, we would have followed the whole uh, L1 narrative and you know moved volume in TVL from one to the all chains, just chasing APRs. Maybe making money, maybe not. I don't know, but we, we didn't do that. We are uh, hardcore phantom fans. We are sticking here. We are making this our home ecosystem. That's why uh, this like, it's now that we have diversified on other chains. Otherwise, 80% of our main DeFi protocol investments are and still continue to be on the phantom chain. Because that's the ecosystem I believe is superior to the others in a lot of aspects. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so as as yeah. an investor it's comfy. Uh, for Phantom's that, comfy. Uh,
1: truly, truly the comfiest. It it, it really I, whenever I, I take profit on another chain and I like you know I I typically take profit in stable like it comes back to Phantom. That's where I acquire, that's where I amass and I rotate around and do things but it always comes back to Phantom for me. Um it's just comfy, it works. Um you know, and I do. I do hope to your first mission um, for for Millennium. You know that they will continue to decentralize. That we will see, you know, more more nodes. Um, you know, I know they've been working towards reducing uh, the barrier to entry to further decentralize, and I I think that's a great direction. And uh, hope hopefully we'll see a lot more of that. Me too. I'm. I'm also looking forward to it. Quite a few people were looking forward to 100k
0: Phantom notes, but then the market crashed, and you know, probably won't lower the collateral that
1: much. Yeah, yeah, for for sure. I, you know, I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe for me, it's just Phantom has just been home for like a year, and it's it's big enough but it's not unmanageable you know it's it's not Ethereum where it's you know riddled with bots and you know sure there's bad actors everywhere but it's um it just really is a a comfy place to be uh so that kind of and speaking of interesting technology you know i I saw something the other day uh, on Phantom, and I saw it via a pool on the Xboo staking uh, side. It was um a technology and a token called orbs. are you Are you familiar with that? I, you- I just recently heard about it. It's like a l three
0: if like dash the tagline I've heard.
1: Kind of. So what what I saw when I clicked into it, because I was like, oh, something new on Phantom, I wanted to check it out. It was, um, they had, right, it was kind of like almost like a side chain, but it was serverless. Um, so they had an option to run it, uh, I think, through AWS Lambdas, kind of like, a, you know, where like a Docker container execution. So I just to give you a little backstory, I work in the decision automation space, and that's primarily like, you know, platform as a service, you know uh, low code application building space. That's where I've worked for you know six, seven years now. Um so in my space, like for you know uh, decision execution, that's a big that's a big conversation that we're having now. And I speak, I, my clients that I work with are primarily uh, banks and mortgage lenders, right? So they're making tons of decisions. Think of like uh, originating a loan. So they're pulling in the data from your application and then they're running it against rules, you know, if then rules primarily are data tables. But like, you know, if your income is X, then your loan to value, you know, your maximum loan to value is Y, you know, type type rules. They obviously are more complex than that. But one of the big things we're hearing now is um, around, you know, serverless execution, right? So, you know, how can we reduce total infrastructure cost? um you know by reducing either the sas model or or reducing our self-hosting or on-premise models uh into these servers serverless executions and now seeing that bleed over into the crypto space is is super interesting to me you know obviously there's uh, very creative ways that you can deploy and execute um services and uh so that that's one i don't know what the token does for anybody i mean it's probably your standard like governance you know type token but uh from a technology perspective that was one that really caught my eye i I get it but like what problem would it solve that phantom isn't solving (laughs) well ultimately uh that is a good question I just thought the technology was interesting. And, and that's the case for a lot of use cases in crypto. I mean, it's just... They, um, make up. they, they just make up use cases just to market or build a product around it,
0: you raise money, you know, do the whole dance. And in the end, if it works good, if it doesn't, they don't really care. So uh, currently what I see is a lot of products are being built where they try to take the computation part off-chain. Mm-hmm. and They say... Like a serverless execution, so to speak, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's what uh, it's interpreting too. Right. Having said that, even if it's being done off-chain, you will still somehow, as GAS or as some other manner, pay for it, right? Sure. So what's the difference between paying for it on-chain and off-chain? Right. What incentive or what extra feature would it solve being off-chain? If it's cheap enough to do on-chain, it doesn't really matter. With Phantom, we are actually having the opposite issue, like how will the validators or the servers, in this case, get paid when the gas fees is this low and the staking rewards end? Yeah, I thought about that.
1: What does happen when uh, Phantom emissions are over? I mean, what becomes the incentive for validation? Do they just burn and give it to the people validating? I mean, you you must be interested in that.
0: So currently, the transaction fee is split in two parts. 30% 30% is being burnt and 70% is being paid to validators. Uh, it's, it's very low amount and uh, in time, the hope and uh, the expectation is transaction volume along with the value of phantom would be sufficient that it would keep validators engaged in running nodes. This would also be a reason why nodes having a larger collateral may find it easier or more comfortable to keep the node running.
1: That makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's good. I, You know, I, I was looking, like, I have a lot of just Phantom. Um, And I was thinking the other day, I was like, because I don't have it. You know, when I first came in a year ago, I had locked some Phantom for a year, uh, you know, in April of whatever it was, 2020, I guess. Or, yeah, uh, whatever. But the, um, you know, and now I'm looking at doing that again because I just want someplace safe. You know, I don't, I know I'm going to have this phantom for a while. I want to put it someplace safe. I don't want to get no yield. I don't need to get the most yield. Um, so I I do think it's still viable from, you know, just speaking as somebody who would delegate. Right. But um, I, I think it's, it's viable, but certainly open to, um, to options. Um I don't know about running a node. I don't know. Uh, I, it, all that validator stuff scares me a little bit. I'm sure it's probably much more simple than, than I'm making it out to be in my head. But it's just something I, I have no experience in.
0: It's it's not always that simple.
1: Yeah. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, when I struggle
0: like crap, like also I have no formal knowledge in the field. So maybe it was that. I, I was probably one of the guys who was Googling what sudo meant and, you know, how does this actually work? So it, it's not yeah. always easy. Some networks are way easier. Some are way tougher. Some are practically impossible. Uh, you know, it's it's a fun fact. It just reminded me. Uh, so back when I was running nodes uh, and in testnet, I was also investing in chains and running nodes because fandom was an investment for me, right? So uh, I actually bought a Luna node. I, I bought it pretty cheap back then uh, and I was setting up the node and then I had trouble while setting up the node then uh, the staking rewards were pretty low as the whole value was very low and uh, they needed some sort of 4x feed t- to add on to the node and the rent for that was pretty high and I'm like, I'm not even going to make any money out of this. I'm like, fuck this shit, I'm
1: not running this node I sold all my Luna and never went back Good, good for you I know, I, I luckily, I was not invested in the Terra ecosystem or or, um, uh, or Luna, UST, any of that. I just, I never got there. Uh, I had a couple, maybe like four or five NFTs over there. Um, but, you know, certainly, I think everyone is leery at best on uh, algorithmic uh, stable coins at this point. but. Uh, who knows, maybe we'll see a new iteration uh, at some point down the line and, and people will forget. Like <laughs> People will forget Doom their Doom history.
0: Started a, Doom started as an algorithmic coin, you know, but now it's an L2 on Phantom. Figure yeah. it out.
1: Yeah, I uh, I did bridge I did bridge a little bit of funds over to the tomb chain the other day just for fun just to try it out and s- just see what happens who knows maybe they'll do a uh, reward say early you, bridgers they they have done some good in a way that
0: uh, they did bring a lot of exposure they did good TVL they did a lot of positives previously but right now if you look at it as an investment perspective. Uh, imagine a Binance clone, uh, which is essentially what Felix is. It has the entire volume, the order books of Binance. Uh, it has Phantom native coins. You can uh, deposit, withdraw stables on the Phantom network. Uh, fun fact: the trading fee will be used to burn slash get discounts via depositing to. So it's essentially bringing similar use case as the BNB token to 2. And they also made it into a chain and they're planning to develop a whole ecosystem on it. Uh, like at a 20... Th- okay, actually, sorry, it pumped. So at a 30 million market cap or two, it's like uh, an... OP yeah, no, I get it. At this point. Like I, optimism I it. On Ethereum. So it's the same right. relationship at this point and uh you know i'm i'm very i'm very interested intrigued what they're doing what they're building i did make a decent amount of money from all the tomb uh epoch printouts it, it, it was quite crazy prints you know because we uh we had it all staked we never sold any t-shirts so i guess the loss was the value but the pros were the payouts like those were some crazy
1: prints and most of it was i mean for me anyway like i built my tomb stack uh, from nothing. I mean, it was mostly from Genesis pools. I put, you know, some Sheba Phantom and some Phantom or whatever it was in there, and uh, and that created... Yes, cool. the, you know, it was like, it was all... There was no principle, essentially.
0: Cool. So Medium Club entered the tomb ecosystem when uh, Harry posted that he is taking over, and he bought a big batch. So yeah. that's when we oh, started buying... <laughs> Yeah, we bought the bottom back then. Not the yeah. bottom, like, but
1: considering Local how bottom. far it went, we felt the bottom. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, there was a. T- I think after that, you saw ten thousand dollar T shares. I mean, it got it got wild. I mean, the whole thing was wild. I mean, even from the very earliest days when it was like you know, almost well between one and two percent daily on the LP um it it was nuts um i wish so there's so much good about felix uh, unfortunately as a u.s citizen um i don't so you mentioned like you know being able to use phantom native you know usdc or, or stable coins like that would be so amazing you know if, currently if i want to pull fiat out I have to bridge off Phantom, right? There's no, there's no place where I'm KYC where I can um, extract stablecoin uh, into fiat uh, as a U.S. citizen, and hopefully, you know, that option becomes available one day. But um, that for me would be a huge game changer. And Not that it's expensive to to bridge to. I think I can do it on Polygon. Um, I have to. I'd have to think. I have to go back and go through my deck, my uh, centralized exchanges, and remember. I because I checked the other day, um, but I mean, there it used to be. I had to go through Ethereum, and I was paying, you know, sometimes hundreds or thousands of dollars just to bridge over and and you know extract some fiat value. Um, so hopefully, to your point, hopefully uh, Felix and Harry can continue to build it. Um, I know we're we're running against the clock here. So as this is a Podtown uh, podcast with Moshi Moshi, um, it was noted here by uh, Bimps that you are an OG Paul Grandmaster. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about you know NFTs. What brought you know what interested you in uh, Podtown originally, and also maybe a, briefly a, a view on. Uh, Metaverse and GameFi and and where where you see that side of the space uh, heading? Yeah, so my exposure
0: to the NFT space started with the uh, uh, Uman NFTs, of course, and uh, since I was uh, pri- focusing primarily on the Phantom ecosystem, uh, that's where I dabbled in you know whatever stuff I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would uh, honestly say 80% of it is probably crap I can't ever sell. Having said that, I did find 20% gems and uh, stuff which is being built, stuff which is actually doing something, or gamify as you call it. So I'm I'm very big on the gamify space, I uh, not just because I love it, maybe that's made me partial to it, but I feel it has a great future, especially on the Phantom Chain due to the whole low fee and the great chain kind of a, uh, an experience where users will actually enjoy it and not feel it, that it's actually a chain or, you know, need to get technically to use it. Uh, because of this, we have been investing in a lot of those gaming projects being built on Phantom. Uh, for example, Phantomon, we are one of the earliest and only seed supporters for that project. We help such projects grow and, you know, assist them in whatever manner we can. Uh, Port Town is also one of the unique projects I found on this chain, which I realized was building something amazing. So uh, with time, as we were investing and growing on the Phantom ecosystem, Phantom Chain, we uh, figured out a philosophy. I, I mean, I, it, it turned out to be my favorite one. It's the 1% rule. If you can, and if you feel a project or a product is worth it, try to acquire 1%. That will give you enough uh, of a uh, interest to actually uh, work for the project so that you are actually working for yourself to actually help in uh, getting them collaborations or partnerships or support they need. So it it makes the invested time worth it in a longer run and uh, generates enough interest within the Millennium Club DAO community and people who are investing for them to actually work for it and not just be an idle investment. So that's how it started, and uh, that's why I started with one percent of Cyber Nikos. Then, uh, when you guys lo- were planning on launching Rabbis, that was when Doom ecosystem was doing well, so you know I could pull out some money there. And uh, I wanted to get like two percent of Cyber Rabies, and you guys started with the initial collection of ten thousand. But when it launched, you reduced it to 2, 000, 2, 2, 2, 2 so to speak. I ended up being one of the largest cyber army holders. so that that's actually a funny and good coincidence. i I love that part now,
1: yeah. I mean, it's you know, my 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 experience was similar. i uh, you know someone in uh, I was in a telegram group and someone told me about uh, uh, umans and so i had minted a few of those and that i think was my first experience really i had minted maybe a couple nfts on ethereum or at least had bought some in the secondary like rarible and OpenSea. but um really i hadn't really discovered that space and it's it will be interesting so if you know on the topic of like metaverse um if anyone's doubting that this metaverse you know, if metaverses will, will happen, there's a, uh, I think it's a a one-shot documentary I saw the other night, my wife and I watched on HBO called We Met in Virtual Reality. And it it wasn't about, you know, crypto metaverses. It was more about, um, you know, Oculus, VR chat, that sort of thing. But some of these uh, communities that were, that i saw in this documentary i mean it was just mind-blowing i mean these people there was a whole community of people that were like learning to learn sign language and they logged into vr chat and their vr you know full body tracking and they're you know the deaf community and learning sign language and people that took dance classes and i mean unbelievable and as and as the decentralized you know metaverse and crypto space becomes more retail friendly more uh you know call it idiot proof to uh log in become accessible and does some of that um initial setup for you because i think that's going to be the barrier right is is you know on-ramp, fiat on-ramp, and the initial setup, if they hide, if they could figure out a way to hide a lot of what's actually happening in the background and make it, you know, just like you would sign up on a, uh, any other, you know, web portal, uh, I think you're going to see Uh, just a wealth there there's clearly a market for people that want to connect with other people that want to that want to create new versions of themselves you know uh, anonymously and interact with people from all over the world I mean it's to me it's going to happen I mean it's just you know to varying degrees and for varying degrees for certain people but it's it i think the next five to ten years we're we're gonna see and we know technology accelerates right exponentially i think we're gonna see some really amazing things and i do feel you know crypto and nfts is is gonna play a huge part of that um you know and, and and just like any transition period you know the the governments of the world, specifically my world in the u s, um are going to fight to maintain the status quo and the in the ecosystem that currently exists. But just like any other transition period in our history, it's going to be inevitable. Tides will move forward, and people will adapt um, or they will they will not make it. Okay. Agreed, sir. Well said. Yeah, I. You know, I thought of, this is kind of silly, and I know we got to wrap up here, but like, you know, I was watching uh, this thing the other day on TV. It was like about pirates, and I just sat there going, "Oh my God!" It wasn't that long ago. People were sailing across oceans, you know, not knowing where they were going to end up, uh, with no way of communicating. And I'm like, you know we, I look at what we've had just in my lifetime, right? You know, I'm, I'm old enough that I grew up, you know, without the internet and then with the internet and, you know, you know, without a cell phone and then with a cell phone. But I look at my kids that have grown up talking to, you know, uh, an artificial intelligence like Alexa or, you know, something else and it's second nature to them. I mean, it's, it's really um, amazing when you step, step back and, and think about it from that perspective. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. We're past eleven o'clock. Thank you so much for this conversation. This was great. Thank you for everything uh, that you do and contribute to the Phantom ecosystem. I think uh, we can all agree we're we're very lucky to have you and the Millennium Club uh, supporting um, you know Phantom and our ecosystem here. and uh, I hope you had a good time here today and uh, Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in.
0: Thank you, everyone. The pleasure is entirely mine. Thank you, Nico team, for inviting me and having me here. It's an honor to be here and talking to an amazing community of MECOS.
1: Awesome. Thanks, guys. We're going to wrap it up. And uh, I'm sorry, anyone that was hoping to have BIMS's commercials, uh, we will have to get that on the next one. All right. I'm out if I could figure out how to stop this.